educate and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Ready? So we are going back for another prototype. With who? This is setting us back four years. We can't land on the moon. We aren't touching down for five years. Do you understand what this means? NASA can't do it. They can't land man and come back. We can make a film that shows us going to the moon without actually doing it. Kubrick is getting NASA to make sure that his space movie looks like real space. And so we're gonna use his space movie to make sure the real space movie looks like space. Do you understand how crazy that is? Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 86 and my name is Scott. My name is Michael. That's it. It's just the two of us today. Red is uh, off for the week. Uh, he's taking care of Sid the Kid. We wish him well. Mm-hmm. He missed a good one this week, <laughs> a, I think. Yeah, it's a good one. Ooh. Yeah. On today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching, as well as the week in film news before our featured review of Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Surprising. Oh, Deepwater Verizon. Mm. I wanted to call this artwork Deepwater Verizon, but that's like a phone company, and people don't really like them. Yeah. <clears throat> don't call it something that people don't like. Well, you know, you get it, vertical. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, yes, Deepwater Horizon from director Peter Berg. We're super excited for this one. You can subscribe to all of our episodes. They are on iTunes. Yes, they are. What can you do on iTunes? You can give us a five-star rating. Hmm. Or four-star. You know, both are fine. That's true. You, you know, we, uh, you're being nice. You're not asking. You're not demanding too I'm much. Not, well, I don't want to demand from them. You're a good man. Uh, but I think we put on a pretty good show. So I do too. I, 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 we love some good <clears throat> reviews there. Um, so you can also do something else on iTunes. Give us a four or a five star review. And then you can also leave us a recipe. Last week, we wanted your best marinade. Mm, I still have to try that. Your best uh, meat marinade. What do, you, what do you want from the listeners this week? What's the recipe of choice? Oh. Always on the spot with this. Hold on. Uh, cornbread. Fuck yeah. Do a, it. A nice, not, ju- not just like a plain cornbread, unless it's the best cornbread ever. Something with a little kick to it, maybe. This is crazy. Like I love it. Jalapeno cornbread or cornbread something. Cornbread with like butter on it. Yeah. Something like that. <clears throat> I, I want, that's what I want. So that's the plan. You're going to iTunes for a five star review, and then you're going to leave your best cornbread recipe right in the old box there. You hit submit. It's that easy. Uh, and we will love you forever. Yeah, and it for helps it. us basically get on the new and noteworthy page on iTunes. You know, the we, world the world turns another day. And we love to be new and noteworthy. You can visit our website. It is verticalviewing.com. You can also donate on that website. We uh, encourage anyone who loves the show, uh, if you ever have a buck or two lying around, just click the donate button. It'll take you to PayPal. You can just donate whatever you like. Zero point one. No, nothing too small. Point. We'll take. We'll, yeah. Yeah. Point one dollar. Right. There is no limit <clears throat> on either end of the scale. So if you like what we do, we appreciate it. It uh, costs us a little bit of money to 
Slice off the internet. Slice off, carve off a little section where we've planted the vertical viewing flag and said, hey, here we are. It has to have a home somewhere. It does. Uh, And it lives on the internet, which is technically some box in a climate-controlled... Computer tower. Yeah, which is in a (laughs) giant warehouse somewhere, probably in the desert. We should find out where it is and put a flag (laughs) in it. That would be kind of cool. You can kind of like, imagine if the uh, host web hosting company sort of gave you a little photograph of like where your files are like kind of like when you name a star it's just yeah, like, like or like you have like property somewhere it's like look at this it's like you've adopted a piece of the internet and here's a framed picture of like a ssd <laughs> <laughs> like just a hard drive I, I would appreciate that you can send us your thoughts and recommendations you can go to our twitter which is vertical viewing you can go to uh instagram also vertical viewing at vertical viewing you can also email us verticalviewing at gmail.com, which is actually what Chris from Toronto did this week. Um, it's a great email. Uh, he Unfortunately, Red is not here, and he's referenced in the email. It's uh, regarding Hunt for the Wilder People. Ooh, all right. Let's hear it. Uh, so Chris writes, Dear Idiots... Good start. Great, I like it. Great start. Loving this. Uh, hey, fellas, apologies for not writing in last week, and thanks for the guilt trip, Jared. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so I will skip to the main part of his email here, which he says, first, as Jared mentioned last week, there was what I took to be your middling review of Hunt for the Wilder People. I thought it was deserving of far more praise and attention than you gave. It was beautifully shot, felt really unique and genuine, and had me both laughing and crying, often at the same time. Plenty of memorable moments and lines. That's uh, That, I'm sure, will only get better with time. And how good was that Casio birthday song? I guess you haven't seen this. Uh, not yet. yet. I haven't had a lot of time. <clears throat> very fun, very fun scene. Uh, he goes on. Then, near the end, Scott mentioned never having seen any Kurosawa films. Buddy, how can you even begin to talk about film without knowing your Kurosawa? Rashomon? Ron? Hidden Fortress? You can't understand Star Wars, Spielberg, or any contemporary film without knowing a little Akira and the contribution he left behind. And you certainly shouldn't be reviewing Magnificent Seven without having seen Seven Samurai. Uh, So watch yourself some Kurosawa, and once you're done, go find some Ozu films, which are even better. Tokyo Story is a great place to start. Uh, I didn't choose The Skuck's Life. The Skuck's Life choose me. Yours, Ricky Baker. All right. So fans of Hunt for the Wilder People will get the uh, the sign off there. I agree and disagree with a couple points there. Uh, so, yeah, let's unpack this. Uh, great email. I love, Thank you for sending that in. I love all of it. Um, let me begin by I guess saying that like I don't know if this is getting blown out of proportion, uh, but I do I like you do like the wilder I hunt, people. I, I like hunt for the wilder people quite a bit. It's a very well. There's not a lot of bad things you can say about it. Like it's you know there's nothing bad about any of it. I think you just needed to be a little more excited when you talked about it. Uh, well, it's like <laughs> I, I've seen comment sections on the internet, and this thing is just people are going gaga over it. They love it. And anyone who disagrees, I, I saw someone on Reddit just getting just hammered into a powder. That's too bad. That's he, too he, bad. He, he because... didn't enjoy the movie. And he said the same thing I did. It was just the felt like a bit of a retread of a Wes Anderson film. 
Um, I mean, I just felt like Wilder People was a bit derivative, felt like it went over some familiar territory that I've seen. Um, the humor felt like it was a little overly clever, maybe, or trying to be uh, maybe self-aware. Sounds like it's dripping with charm, though. <laughs> some, that... it, it is. I can see why people love this thing. It, uh, some of the humor, personally for me, fell a bit flat. Uh, I felt sort of alienated and detached from the characters. Um, it felt like a New Zealand version of like Nacho Libre or <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Interesting, okay. And those films are, are definitely not for everybody. Yeah, um, but I, I still I think it's great. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd give it probably in close to an 8 out of 10, like... There's not. I don't. I don't hate it. That's a good score. Mm -hmm. um, but as for Kurosawa, maybe you can help me out here. Um, I have no excuses. I am shamed. Like I am for shame. I like. I'm not going to pretend that I have an excuse <laughs> for not seeing any Kurosawa films. Uh, I've made. I've made a point to see Seven Samurai on several occasions and never got fully connected. Seven ne Samurai is pretty great. Never made that. Rat Ran is pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, these are movies I know. I mean, I they're need all to great, see. but. Those are my two favorites. Um, but I, my only thing that I will say here is that I, I even probably think Chris would agree to this, uh, is that everybody has blind spots in their film. It's true. Like, there are movies. I know a lot of people who haven't seen Godfather. A lot of people. That's really surprising to me. I know. And a lot of... It seems to be one that's very commonly, you know, one that someone will maybe say they have and haven't and... They don't want to be left out. They don't. <laughs> but there's just there's there like you would agree, right? There's just places where you just I haven't seen any of these movies. I know I should, you know. So we only live so much. We have so little time in this life. Yeah, we can't. I don't think you could watch all of the films that exist. You can't read all the books that there oh, are. Like, no. So we got to pick and choose, and sometimes. Um. And 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 uh, all of the references. I mean, all of the great directors of the '70s were obsessed with. Kurosawa, like Scorsese and George Lucas, and I, I know all the references. I know like shot composition and pacing and stuff. Yeah, his. yeah, I, I, I know the history. Um, but one thing I, I am kind of, I don't understand. I guess maybe he's just being a bit overly dramatic here. But do you think that seeing Seven Samurai is like prerequisite to seeing the Magnificent Seven remake? Because this like, is where my comment for agree and disagree comes in. Because I have no other way of knowing. I haven't seen any of the. Because I agree with I agree with the shaming. <laughs> you have to see something at some point, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I disagree that you have to see Seven Samurai to see Magnificent Seven. They have to be their own self-contained films. Yes. And so, if I have to watch Seven Samurai to appreciate Magnificent Seven more, the Magnificent Seven team did something very wrong. Like, it, it needs to be its own film. It's inspired by, it's a remake in the American way. It's not necessary at all. It actually would probably make it worse, honestly. Okay, like, so, I, I, I totally agree with you. So, you're, are you saying, like, there are other things in Magnificent Seven, the the remake that served the story better if you've seen Seven Samurai? No, there's not. There's not, no. okay. And that's that's why I kind of disagree with having to have seen the original, the source of the inspiration for this film. You don't need to see that. I mean, I mean, hold on. Let me rephrase. I think maybe you do. If it, if the remake is good, then maybe I, I think, if it's a bad movie, then I guess you don't need to bother. No, I, that's true. <laughs> I think you you need to see Seven Samurai. To review Magnificent Seven, you don't need to see... Like, so, exactly. Having seen both, 
It's not going to change the review in any did way, it, shape, or form. It, did it do anything for you? Other than being a little more disappointing? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't need to see the originals for this, is my point. It's Would an, you agree? It, it, I mean, it's still an interesting question. I mean, you always maybe, if you can, it's better if you do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, there are only so many hours in our lives. Well, yeah, and sometimes sometimes it'll do a disservice if you watch them. Like if you, if we had watched the original Western, that's a little more appropriate than watching the Seven Samurai. Yeah, because it was like a remake of a remake, right? right? Like we're not the source material is being copied and then copied again. So, and we all know copies of copies degrade. We're not, yeah. <laughs> like how much is lost? How much is gained? Nothing was gained in this one. <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> Let's move on to yeah. what we've been watching here. Because um, I got a ton of stuff, but we can start with you. What's going on, man? Uh, well, I'm sure a lot of listeners know that Luke Cage came out this weekend. I was away on an island at a wedding, so I didn't have a lot of time to watch anything on the weekend. But I did manage to get three episodes of Luke Cage in. I'm liking it so far. I... So what is this? Luke Cage is one of the... This is a spinoff of Daredevil, right? Well, sort of. It's the, it's the Marvel Netflix world, which has started with Daredevil, and then we now have Daredevil Season 2 and Jessica Jones. All of them have been great. Daredevil Season 1 was fantastic. Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk was unbelievable. Daredevil Season 2 started really strong, flagged a little at the end, but was still entertaining. Jessica Jones is un real like it's a fantastic series about a private eye mm-hmm. who happens to have superpowers and ptsd so all these shows are like gonna work together pretty nice yes in the in the marvel net netflix actic universe netflix actic <laughs> yes uh and now luke cage who was introduced in jessica jones uh is getting his own series or has his own series just came out he uh in the comics is known as Power Man. He's basically just a super strong dude and like nothing can penetrate his skin. Uh it's take what I love about the Netflix series is the intimacy of it all because it's all ground level. Daredevil is in a neighborhood in New York. He he's in Hell's Kitchen. Uh Jessica Jones as well. Luke Cage takes place in Harlem. It's not oh shit, we're going to drop a city onto the planet and it's going to blow up. It's, it's these small problems that they're trying to fix. I mean, they're they're big problems to everyone involved, but on this grand scale of everything that's going on in Marvel, it's nice to see. I love how they bring it down a notch. Hmm. So the first three episodes of Luke Cage so far, uh, I've enjoyed. They've set it up pretty well. Um, episode one was really good at showing us the players that will be around for, I think, at least half the series. I'm not sure if the story they've set up, which is... There's two cousins. Uh, one is what is she? Like um, some government official. <laughs> I just watched them. I forget what she was. One's, she's a government official, and uh, he her cousin is like a, a gangster, and they're working together to try and you know gain what each of them wants. One wants to reinvigorate Harlem. The other just wants you know money <laughs> to to be a gangster, and so it sets them up as the bad guys here. But I don't think this small plot of uh, 
drug money funding this government official is going to last for the 13 episodes because they keep mentioning this guy called Diamondback. And I'll be I'll be honest. Do you I, know that is that villain anything that you it, know of in the Marvel universe? Could be. I, I I'll be honest. I'm not a. I don't know a whole lot about Luke Cage. Um, I I'm, I'm more Daredevil and Iron Fist. I cannot wait for Iron Fist. I, to come I, out. I, I love when a new property comes out and every like all of a sudden everyone is now a Luke Cage. Uh, expert, right? Yeah, yeah, like I'm not. Like, I know, yo, I know everything about Luke Cage, dog. Like now, now it's I know who Luke Cage is. I know who what his powers are. I know who he ends up like getting married to in the comics and stuff. But that's about it. Like I don't know a lot else. Uh, so I'm excited to see where this goes. I think the first few episodes set up the issue, shows us these players for the first little bit, gets the ball rolling. He's sort of a reluctant hero. He doesn't want to do anything with his powers. He just want to keep his head his head down, just live life, sweep mm-hmm. sweeping floors, doing dishes, whatever. And now he's answering the call to action. So by episode three, he starts becoming Power Man, basically. Uh, he, is he a Mega Man character? <laughs> yes, he is. Um, no, they have a few nice nods, like this dude who owns a, a barbershop, Pops, Pops' barbershop, nice. where, where he's working. Nice. Just, he knows he's got these powers, and he just calls him Power Man. So he's never going to go by Power Man. Like, he hasn't, in the comics, he's just been Luke Cage for a long time now. But these little nods to how, how he used to be are kind of nice. I kind of like that. Okay. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying this. Okay. I don't think I like it as much as... Daredevil, at least not yet. I can't say for sure until I've watched through the whole thing. Because there's no old boy hallway fight scenes yet. Well, there, there's actually been a couple of fight scenes. <laughs> what? Okay. But my issue is they're so different because he doesn't need to be all scrappy and boxy like Daredevil. He's just this strong dude who can't, like, bullets can't penetrate him. So he just walks down a hallway getting shot and, like, awkwardly punching guys. So the, the, there's no real fight choreography. It hmm. just doesn't look nearly as entertaining huh. um <coughs> that that sounds weird it is a little weird like he picks up a couch at one point that sounds like a power that doesn't translate well on camera well it's kind of like it's kind of like he's just a lower rent <coughs> superman like he can't fly or anything but he's just really strong and you know he can take a hit uh so the black man is like the lower rent superman that's not what i was saying <laughs> but but power wise that's kind of what it is uh, but but there's this weird scene where he's surrounded by a bunch of guys in a room and he picks up a couch and just like spins around hitting them all with his oh, couch. Man. So it just okay, okay. Like I could get into this. In in theory, okay. that sounds really cool. It's just the the guys just sort of fall over, so it <laughs> looks a little weird. Um, whereas in Daredevil, he like it's brutal. Like the punches and kicks, oh, yeah. they land with so much weight. That's the sort of the whole. No, like allure of watching Daredevil, yeah. isn't it? People like watching the the choreography for yeah. those fights is unbelievable. Uh, that's why I'm excited for Iron Fist. I th- I'm hoping because it's only up ep- like I'm only at episode three <clears throat> that he'll get a little more finesse as he levels up throughout the season, and the fights will become more interesting to watch. Hmm. Okay, uh, I mean it's it's not all about the fights. But, but yeah, you're you're early on. Maybe they're taking it slow, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. But so far, like, digging it. The acting is okay. fantastic. Okay. It's top notch. Uh, and it just it just debuted on Netflix. Yeah, just came out Friday. I'm sure some okay. of by the time this goes up, some people will have watched the entire They've season. Binge the entire thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, but I guess before I can get into what I've yeah. been watching, uh, there's uh, 
HBO tonight is airing Westworld. Yeah, Westworld. It's like on as we speak. I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Um, are, you're probably going to watch it tomorrow. I would assume. You're yeah, not, you're not going to get a chance to see it tonight. I got a PVR rolling right now, so yeah. But I guess you probably wouldn't boot it up. No, after no. you get off here. No, I have been partying all weekend on an island. You're going to be so chill. I'm okay. I'm, uh, this episode may or may not uh, have my thoughts of Westworld. I may or oh, may not. Oh, okay. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. If I have time tonight, folks may hear my thoughts on Westworld. Super looking forward to this crazy I thing. Might, I might do that tonight then. If you want, leave me a voicemail. Sounds good. Uh, however, on Friday night, I fell in love at the Rio Theater in Vancouver, British Columbia. With I, the film? I, I watched Operation Avalanche. Oh, you sent me a very excited text, and I, I'd love to know. Lay it on me. I what is this movie? <clears throat> I was I was I was hyperventilating when I came out of the theater. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, a, li- a little bit pacing in my room or in my in my living room through my bedroom, uh, just freaking out, not knowing what to do, kind of freaking out. Uh, this thing is a solid nine and a half out of ten. Wow. Um, it. What is this thing? So to to put it as simply as I can, Operation Avalanche uh, is a fake documentary, a mockumentary, if you will, about some CIA agents in nineteen the mid nineteen sixties who are sent into NASA undercover as scientists uh, to find a Russian mole, a Russian spy who has infiltrated NASA. Hmm. Uh, in the process. They get wrapped up in a conspiracy theory about maybe not being able to make it to the moon by 1969. It's going to take them five years longer than they anticipated. Uh, so hence begins the production of a fake moon landing <laughs> movie. This has been really popular these days. So we did our review, episode 50 of Vertical Viewing. We did a review of Moonwalkers. Yeah, that's too bad. We did not enjoy the movie, I think, very much at all. No. Uh, and I am so glad that this got redeemed. This is a Canadian film. Mm. Uh, the director of The Dirties. I'm I'm not familiar. So Operation Avalanche is directed by Matt Johnson. He was at the screening. I was at the Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, Which just got rolling. It just started on Thursday. Uh, and, and director Matt Johnson was there, and he did a Q&A and stuff. It was really, really great. Um and he's in the movie as himself. And so the the nice, the, the, the jaw-dropping thing about this movie is that they shot this at NASA in Houston uh, at Mission Control with real NASA employees. And none of the employees at NASA knew they were in a fake moon landing movie. <laughs> they thought that Matt Johnson, film student, like was there to film a... It's sort of reenactment, you know, Apollo documentary, like a a cool documentary about Apollo, uh, and sort of getting people to dress in period clothing, and that's unbelievable. <laughs> and so apparently, the people at NASA love the movie, or some of them, I think, some were pissed. But do you remember a few years ago, a movie called Escape from Tomorrow? Yep. It was a horror movie about this family, this man who goes to Disney World with his family. Uh, and he just gets lost in Disney World, trips out, and has hallucinations. And I don't know what the movie's about. Never seen it. But that was all filmed at Disney World illegally. Uh, a very similar thing is happening here. So this movie feels super real because a lot of it is. 
the people on camera, other than just sort of the main three or four actors, are all real people. Are all real people. Not that actors aren't real people, too. <laughs> yes, but. but they all play themselves, right? Matt Johnson, the director, called up NASA and said, I am Matt Johnson. I'm wanting to make a documentary. So he had to play himself in the movie because he couldn't go in there and say, uh, you know, mine, just call me Ryan for these scenes. Because they'd say, well, what the fuck is this movie then? Yeah. The NASA employees would know the jig is up. Now they're playing characters. What's going on? So by necessity, he actually had to play himself in this movie, which is kind of crazy. But anyway, to the movie itself, it, we begin in 16, 8 millimeter sort of black and white rounded edge Ooh. really blurry looking footage and it's them making their documentary behind the scenes kind of uh of them getting sort of the gig of going down to nasa uh and then he the main guy matt he turns to the cia director and he says uh can i can we get new cameras and then as soon as he says that we cut to bad moon rising by credence mm -hmm. clearwater revival and the movie bursts into this beautiful golden, like 16 millimeter looking full color footage. Like my jaw was on the floor. This is probably the most authentic period piece I have ever seen in terms of like the camera work. Like, wow. It, it, they actually use digital for, you know, you know, yep. cameras to actually replicate the look of 16 millimeter footage and using fair use photography you know, fair use clips. They basically just merged this entire movie seamlessly with old footage. That's <clears throat> awesome. Um, it's just jaw dropping, man. The, the transition into this beautiful color. Um, and it's basically just the, the, the essence of the cold war, Kennedy announcing the Apollo program, um, sort of him being assassinated there's references to Dr. Strangelove. Stanley Kubrick has to make an appearance here. Um, of course he does, because he's central to the conspiracy. Right. Uh, there's Russian spies within NASA. So there's like these sort of assassinations, like people are maybe following the documentary crew. It actually starts to get a bit tense. Like there's a chase scene in it that's absolutely thrilling. Like it's not just... The movie's hilarious, uh, but the movie's also really thrilling because it turns into like a sort of you know political thriller political almost. you know chase thing um and it it's just exhilarating and that sounds pretty amazing actually I, i'm in love with this movie guy just go online look up the operation avalanche trailer you'll I, I think this movie's irresistible is it still i assume there's some future showings throughout the course of the festival or is it there done? is a showing on the 10th uh, at two thirty p.m. So I can go see that. You 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 absolutely have to go see this. That's on a Monday at two thirty in the afternoon. I can't make if if I actually had the day off, which maybe I should. Isn't that trade the Thanksgiving? That is Thanksgiving Day. I actually am working. Oh yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, if you can spare it on Thanksgiving Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, in Opera. Canada, at least. There's That's a, true. We do it a month earlier. There's a screening of Operation Avalanche. This movie should hopefully get release on Blu-ray within the next three or four months. I, I hate talking about a movie like this that nobody can actually see, um, but this is a strong candidate. I, I might even just spoil it right now. Like This is my favorite movie of the entire year. That is some high praise. Like In, in my opinion, this is the best. I like Spinal Tap. Uh, I love Fubar. 
I think that uh, It's All Gone Pete Tong is one of the best Canadian films ever made. Uh, Canadians are really good at mockumentaries. <laughs> yeah, actually. What the fuck? Uh, but I, I have to say, uh, Operation Avalanche is my favorite comedic fake documentary, mockumentary, if you will, ever. Interesting. So I'm 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 gonna be. I'm, I'm very I'm, curious to I'm see if anything this up so huge. I'm but, very curious to see if anything knocks it out for the rest of the year. If there's anything, I think the arrival might do it. Or yeah. the, the only thing that has an option, but yeah. okay. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I don't think that's going to blow it out of the water, but um, but yeah, um, Operation Avalanche is a masterpiece. All right, well, I'm going to go check that out. Please do. You've definitely sold me on that. Um, and the fact that you can see it is great. So, you have anything else? Uh, no, actually, Luke Cage. That's uh, it. Eh? Well, I I finished watching. <laughs> I, did I say this already? The first season of Berserk. I don't think no, I you didn't. Did. You know, my uh, my coworker Anthony, my good bro Anthony, he told me basically every day through the month of September, maybe August. August as did, well. Yeah. Did you watch Berserk? Did you, did you watch Berserk? Every day, twelve episodes. They came out on Friday on Crunchyroll, uh, as they were released in Japan, I believe, because Crunchyroll does the simulcast stuff. Uh, I really like Berserk. Like the manga had been running for a long time. It might still be. I don't. Uh, Obviously, you can correct me on that. <laughs> yes. I, but uh, I watched the updated Golden Age arc on the DVDs that, or the Blu-rays that were released. So three short one-hour films that basically covered the first series of Berserk that came out in the 90s. Yeah, because this is like a reimagining, I guess? A remake or sequel? Well, it's this, it's like a sequel because the animated series only got so far in the Golden Age arc, which is sort of the intro, the lead-up of... Guts, the main character, such a crazy name, Guts, who wields this giant sword fighting in the band of a hawk, a mercenary group in like a fantasy world. Uh, but their leader, Griffith, sort of has sinister intentions. He has great grand aspirations for power and ends up sacrificing the entire band of mercenaries to demons to base, to ascend to godhood. And that's the Golden Age arc. Uh, but Guts survives. He loses one of his arms and one of his eyes in the process. Oh, my God. So now he's got a, a f fake left hand that's made of metal but also is a cannon. Cool. Yeah. And so he's hunting these apostles, like these powerful demons around the world. So this follows the aftermath like of of that whole Golden Age arc. I forget what this one is called. They're, I, I, they're, they're, they're labeled in arcs. I don't particularly like the animation style. It's, it's not... It's a little weird because it is a mix of 2D and 3D, and it's not as if there's 3D backgrounds with 2D animation. It looks kind of ghetto. It's just that sometimes the characters are 2D or sometimes they're animated in 3D, and the 3D does look ghetto. It looks like, uh, what was that old Microsoft program that you could... <laughs> anyway. Kidpix? No, that was no, Mac. It, was, it, it kind of looks a little bad, but the story itself is pretty cool. So I was... I like seeing him chop dudes okay. up with this giant sword that no one could, no one would be able to wield that thing. Oh yeah, I love how strong. Like they have like tiny, skinny little arms, and they hold like a thousand pound like cloud strife with. His... Well, he he's at least a big dude, but uh, nice. the sword is still like there's no way that he could use it as a sword. It's breaking the laws of physics. Yeah, the handle would bust off. Um, but it's such a great dark, like it's a dark fantasy world and. 
anyone who's a fan of the Dark Souls or Demon Souls games, those games are super inspired by Berserk. No way. Yeah. So huh. it's it's nice to go back to that world For and real? see. Yeah. I'm learning all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I'd recommend it. Check it out. The, the first twelve or the twelve episodes of this season have wrapped up. I think a couple of weeks ago, so it's done. You can watch it all right now. You could binge it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going back to it. I think in the spring of 2017. So I'm gonna wait for that. Okay. It's uh, the animation isn't so great, yeah, but it I, turned me off big time. But man, I love I'll the world. Honest. I love the world, so I'm gonna stick with it. Okay. It's it's nothing like. Um, Cabinary. Cabinary. Oh, Damn. man, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch more of those. You do. Um, so I watched another movie at the Vancouver International Film Festival. Uh, I saw this movie last night, actually. It's called Tower. Mm. And mm-hmm. this movie, complete, like, I got, I got gobsmacked by this movie, man. You sent me the, the trailer. Yeah, so this movie is about the... 1966 shooting at the University of Austin in Texas. Uh, Charles Whitman is the name of the maniac who went to the top of the university's tower and just began sniping at people randomly for no no reason really, right? Uh, it, well, it was revealed that he had a like. It's, it's great that you asked that question for an actual reason. Yeah, like okay. in this case, he had. Uh, I mean, it's senseless, obviously, but he had a tumor in his brain pushing pushing against his pituitary gland which caused erratic behavior okay he knew this and like wrote uh in his suicide note i believe he said please examine my brain interesting (laughs) yeah wow unbelievable so this movie uh is basically uh it's a documentary about this event about the 23 i think people who were killed during this or 18 i believe um all the people who were killed during this and the people who got caught up in the event it's very visually interesting exactly they, when i tell people about this movie they go oh that sounds really intense you know a documentary about this shooting uh it's it's all rotoscope animation so if you've seen waking life if you've seen scanner darkly you will immediately recognize this animation it looks just like it um as soon as we cut, because there is old footage, there is sort of, you know, actual like interview footage and stuff as well. Um, well, I'll get to that, okay. but there's there's actual stock footage from back in the '60s rolling, you know, like old, you know, reels that you're seeing that are actually shot on film, and then little animations that are cut into it. Um, but the what the actual movie consists of is basically interviews with the survivors reenacted by younger actors and then drawn as their younger selves essentially so you have interviews with these the people who are actually there um which you kind of don't really realize until later in the movie when the i I was incredibly moved by where there's a scene where we actually flip from the animated version of one of these people to the real life version of them today Mm. many many years later and it it I, I it was like a punch in the gut. I, I realized, oh, this person actually survives this this event, uh, and here they are now. And I, I I've been listening to them <clears throat> this entire time. So you you actually get around the way of where you'd have normal reenactments maybe being a bit clunky and awkward. You you animate them so you can kind of get around 
some of that janky. Yeah. People don't like watching reenactments. And what the actors have done essentially is is watched interviews with the real people and then got the mannerisms <clears throat> and the delivery of those interviews down almost word for word. And then they animate that. Hmm. That's a lot of work. It it works incredibly well huh. because you, you, you really feel like you're watching the younger versions of these people in night like I was transported back to nineteen sixty six last night. It was insane. Like I I felt like I lived through this event. Uh, I haven't seen a movie this visceral maybe since on Wednesday <laughs> when I watched Deepwater Horizon. Um but yeah, this movie's in, in, incredibly powerful, incredibly raw, emotionally devastating. Wow. Um but it's incredible just to watch it all unfold in this animation. Um Emotionally devastating and raw is not something that really makes me want to see well, a film. It's, it's but. not. It's not in the way like a Twelve Years a Slave thing. It's. Um, it's. I, I shouldn't say devastating. It's. It, the event is devastating. the The movie itself is actually depicted much more um, in a tense way. Like it's. Mm. It's sort of more of like a boiler, like a hot boiler, you know, situation where, you know, like. It's actually a little more of I don't want to say action movie, but there is elements of like suspense. Like it's it's extremely suspenseful. Um, so that sort of gets you through the the parts that are are really harrowing and depressing. It, it, it is it, it is kind of action packed because you know there are people running for their lives and hiding behind these you know pillars and everything. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want I don't want to get the, get the impression that this is some really sad dour thing like. It's it's really engaging. It's only eighty minutes long. Oh. Um, it's it's super engaging. Like it, it's very fast paced, uh, except for the ending, which I felt dragged. It felt a bit circular. We went in sort of we we went over the same point maybe four mm. times in a row, um, and then I didn't like it. Ended on a montage of modern day shootings. Like we got sort of news footage of recent shootings in the last. 20 years or so seems to take away a little from i mean it's implicit all those lessons about today's society are, are they're already on the table as you watch this horrific event unfold way back in the 60s you can't help but think about what's happening today true enough um but yeah tower is playing at the vif it's playing at the film festival you got to see it if you get a chance there's still some yep. showings left um great they never show the face of charles whitman the killer that's good. I like that. He's never shown. Um, we don't have this shot of him getting blown away or anything. Like it, it's tastefully done. He's just this, you know, popping sound coming off the tower. We never see anything. It's faceless and yeah, tower man. Hmm. Amazing movie. I have a feeling the next few episodes are going to be very Vif heavy, which is pretty great actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully these are films that people will be able to see uh, sooner. At least not right now, very soon. Sooner yeah. rather than later. But yeah, the, the movie Tower, there's a trailer for it on Vimeo, which is actually about four minutes long. It's a really good trailer. Yeah, and it, and it gives you a really good sense of what this thing looks like. I remember um, me and my girlfriend, we were watching it, and basically our breath, I, I, I heard her, and we sort of, we, our breath was taken away a little bit when we actually cut to what the animation looked like. Cause I hadn't seen the trailer before going in. Mm. So I had no idea what the, 
what the animation style actually looked like, and I love it. So, yeah, sweet tower. Uh, that should do it. I I have a couple other things. I I played the game Grow Up, the sequel to Grow Home. Oh yeah really dig it this is like on a huge sphere like it's sort of you can rotate the whole sphere around and they've made it like a sort of assassin's creed kind of game it's much more open world and there's places it's basically take an assassin's creed map and then grow home and then put them together grow, grow up yeah so grow home basically you're growing these cool vines or this little red robot dude you're climbing up vines growing them up to your spaceship Super weird game, <laughs> but awesome. I love it. And the new game has amazing additions, like all of these awesome. It's like times 10. Like, Sweet. I'm going to have to check that out. You can actually gather seeds and plant uh, different kinds of... Different vines? Different kinds of you know little plants everywhere that do different things. One will kind of grow up and make these stalks that you can climb. One will be these bouncy things. And it's crazy. Hmm. Uh and I also watched the extended version of The Martian, which is amazing, and I love that movie. It, yep. Not a lot to say other than that's a fantastic film. Uh, does the extended version add or detract? It doesn't feel like anything has been like dragged out or anything. It just feels like we see more of him adapting to life in the habitat, which is better. You know, you need right, yeah. you, you need to set, set that table a little better. It's It's way better. How much longer is it? Uh, it's two hours and thirty minutes, so I believe it's about, I think two two seventeen was the yeah so thirteen minutes. All right, um, really good stuff. Corny movie. Not gonna take anything away from it. I think maybe some of it's intentional, but it's a cheese ball movie in some like it's it's cheesy <laughs> like and it wears it on its sleeve i have to rewatch this i and think figure it's it out. simply because mark watney is cheesy he's, like he he loves to be the cheese man like that's his character I so think, yeah so like it yeah and since he's the beating heart of this film it could come across that way i could see that i just i hope in 20 years this thing doesn't age really poorly and we're all like wah, wah. like it could be it's always hard to say with film you know never but I, I love it. When we're all robots in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of being robots, uh, Scott cutting in here with a quick little aside. Uh, I just finished watching the pilot for Westworld. And oh my goodness, this thing is insane. Uh, I mean, it just piles on the philosophical, existential, cerebral themes just almost right out of the gate uh so this is the new hbo series it's airing sunday nights i'm hoping that this thing becomes the next game of thrones because uh i don't really like game of thrones but that's not uh you know that's not really uh here nor there uh so basically westworld what is it remake of the 1973 michael crichton film uh only much more I guess, you know, in-depth, expansive. We get to see the inner workings of this theme park in which robots fulfill uh, the guests' every need, whether it be sexual or violent. You can basically go to Westworld, live out your Wild West fantasies, get in a shootout, sleep with some, uh, some wenches at the old brothel, all sorts of good stuff, uh, except in this case, it's much more cerebral, existential, 
than you know the cheesy 1973 version the the, the real i love it man the the uh all these robots basically exist in this groundhog day type loop it's a really brilliant way to sort of deliver an experience to the rotating group of guests you'd imagine that people would come to westworld and spend a week there and get tangled up in all of these narratives and these little sort of interpersonal relationships between the townsfolk and people who already live in Westworld. Who is real? Who is not? There's characters who work for this Westworld company who are running this theme park. They're arguing that maybe these robots are too realistic. Uh, you know, maybe it's getting a bit too real out there. Uh, it's it's kind of weird though, right? This whole society is really compelling and interesting enough on its own. Uh, without having human guests, I, I think you can almost imagine this little closed-off Truman Show society full of robots kind of existing on its own. That Even that alone might be interesting enough. Um, crazy acting. Amazing. Anthony Hopkins is in this. James Marsden is in this. Uh, Ed Harris is in this. He's fucking awesome. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. It's really good. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood is the lead. It's amazing. The acting from these people is off the chain. They're doing these erratic movements, and I think some of it's augmented with visual effects, but th this is some of the most convincing sort of human-like robot movements. It's, it's crazy shit. Check out Westworld, everybody. This show is going to be airing every Sunday night on HBO. Uh, really, really promising stuff. This seems super polished, right out of the gate, super strong. Really loving it so far. news let's let's do it i've been away from civilization i want to know what's going on or let's let's actually check out what we would call scott's predictions that come to life and just come true because of the microphones well 
we joke that there's microphones embedded in the walls in here, but we don't even like we 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 put the show online willingly. <laughs> True. So the government and Hollywood listening to our ideas, it's actually <clears throat> they're not spying on us at no, all. No, we got nothing to hide. However, they must have heard when I said back in April when we reviewed the Jungle Book. Great movie. It really was. Um, where, where's that probably ranking for you? Um, like, is, is that going to be... It's in my top ten so <clears throat> far. Uh, we'll see. It's probably around, f- like, in the top five, actually, because it was pretty entertaining. Um, it, I, I think it might have just got knocked off my list, unfortunately. The top ten? I'll, well, you've just seen a bunch of really good stuff, so... So it's on episode 62, if, you, uh, if any listeners want to check out our review of the Jungle Book. Uh, on that episode, you will see and hear proof that I predicted the Lion King reboot, which is in the works from John Favreau and Disney. Lion King live action remake, I should say. It's not a reboot. It's the remake, yeah. So they're doing the exact same thing they did with Jungle Book to the Lion King, which is the most obvious thing ever. Yep, and it, but it, and it's John Favreau. And we, I remember us talking about how great this would look with the Lion King because the animation is so good. So uh, I, I think Disney literally just printed one and a half to two billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's probably fair. They they, uh, they just printed a billion, like I, the, the, a billion dollars. It, they just cashed. This thing is going to be enormous. I am excited by that news. It feels like they just are going to reappropriate all the images and graphics from i mean there's a good reason why i thought that the jungle book begets a lion king mm-hmm. remake because it felt like i was already in one i felt like we were already watching lion king at some points you know well the stories are very similar in the fact that they've got a bunch of animals well and african animals, african animals. And yeah like it's we're already halfway there. It felt like you know, just take mm-hmm. take Mowgli out, and we're kind of watching Lion King spinoff. And since he was he was all right, but he was the worst part of that movie. <laughs> yeah. it, it's fine. We're good to go. And and you know they're just going to do the exact same thing, right? They're going to have a bunch of the songs. They're going to redo like it's going to be kind of a beat for beat remake, and everyone is going to freak out and they're going to love it. And it's you already know this thing is a hit. You already know. Hmm. And then they'll do, when we get to 5D theaters, then we're going to have a weird remake back into some... What what would the fifth dimension be? You get to choose which character you experience the film as? E- yeah, yeah. It's like emotional dimension. Well, okay. I don't know. So you could just be, well, if it's perspective, uh, then that would make rewatchability huge for films because you would be a different character each time you Disney, watch it. Disney's have they have to remake this in twenty years again, right? So you want to see what it's like to be the Beast? Sure, why not? That we don't. Speaking of that, um, did you see the new the sh- pictures for the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast? The first photo of oh, the no. Beast has uh, appeared. No, does it look okay? I dig it. My girlfriend doesn't, so um. We'll see. It might divide the fan base. Is it uh, Dan Stevens? Uh, As the Beast? Mm -hmm. I don't know. He looks basically like uh, a a hairy satyr from Greek mythology to me. Oh, this looks kind of like I'm looking at 
Oh, I don't know about this. Is this like X Men kind of shit? Um, we'll see. <clears throat> um, we also got word of Turbo Kid Two, which is so exciting. And, and, and my whole year is is instantly, you know, this made life whole, is worth living. It, it kind of is. Um, <clears throat> I think back on our review of that. I said that we need to get a Turbo Kid sequel. A little movie that could that came out of nowhere. Probably still the best movie we've ever reviewed. Your very first show. My first show was Turbo uh, Kid. That's so it's awesome. It's all downhill from there. It is all downhill from the very first episode, man. I'm so sorry. Yeah, why do I keep doing this? I don't know. I'm, I'm none, no of, idea. none of the movies are... Well, Turbo Kid 2. There we go. <laughs> um, but the, the filmmakers... Yo and Carl Wissell says, uh, Turbo Kid 2 will be a direct sequel to the first film, taking action where it ended. Uh, no other details have been released. It isn't confirmed if Monroe Chambers or Laurence LaBeouf will be reprising their roles as the Kid and Apple, respectively. I, I don't, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers to the first Turbo Kid, other than that... Apple was, was amazing. It was my favorite movie of 2015, um, by a significant margin, uh, an apple stole my heart. Uh, one of the best performances of 2015 mm-hmm. by Laurence LaBeouf, who has the best name ever. Um, but yeah, don't screw around. See Turbo Kid immediately. I just don't know how you make a sequel to this, knowing sort of what transpires in the first movie. Um, you know, it kind of makes a sequel complicated, right? So, who knows? Or, or does it? I don't. I don't think it does. Um, I'm super stoked. I really hope they set up like a time loop. Okay, where he has always been. Well, he that is kind of his own destiny. Yeah, right? He right. comes back to make himself Turbo, Turbo Kid. Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we also got word that there's going to be a What We Do in the Shadows TV spinoff because everything gets what? a TV spinoff now. I'm not sure how I feel. Like that is one of my favorite movies of last year, but. I don't know if I want a TV series. Um, apparently, it, it's Radio New Zealand is like funding the series of one and a half million dollars. I don't know New Zealand. Who knows what that is? The show is called Paranormal Event Response, and it will follow <laughs> uh, Mike and Karen as they protect people from supernatural phenomena in their own police reality series. The two cops treat their encounters with vampires and werewolves rather nonchalantly. And what we do in the shadows. Oh, so it's... Uh, and seeing the other duties they have as part of a unit meant to specifically deal with these matters has the potential to be extremely funny. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm a little more on board now. So I don't know if I remember these two characters. I guess a little bit... Are they... They come later in the movie, right? They are sort of... Or do uh, they sort of periodically pop up? I think they show up after the big werewolf uh, fight thing where one of the... Uh, Glenn, the guy that doesn't say much, basically dies. Um, yeah, I need to see it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm da- I'm down with that. That's an, I, I that's an interesting call, right? I wasn't sure what could spin off and still be interesting, but that that is what they could spin off yeah. and still be. If you if you you know if you have a different twist, if you have sort of a reason to make it, then it just sort these, of makes more sense. Just these regular people in this ridiculous world. Um. There's there's another TV spinoff that we have to talk about. Okay. You'll never guess. The Purge. What? 
<laughs> what? Seen, have you seen any of the Purge films? I've seen the first Purge movie. Okay, I, I really want to watch these. I'll be honest with you, man. I'll be honest here. Like, I really want to watch the Purge, the Purge Anarchy, and the Purge Election Year. So I've seen the Purge and Rick and Morty, the Purge. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I heard these movies are dumb as hell. I, I'm in, man. Yeah. I got to check these out. Okay. Uh... The first one was all right. I was very surprised to see Ethan Hawke in it. Um, just doesn't seem like the type of film that he would be part of. But then he did. He didn't Insidious, do, didn't he? I don't think he did the second or third. Right? He only in the first. The fir- well, yeah, he only did the first one. Uh, uh, the director James DeMonico says DeMonico. DeMonico. Uh, it's kind of an anthology, more of an interwoven anthology. They came to me about a TV show. My idea is that you do six or seven storylines kind of intercut them using flashbacks i mean whatever that, I, I mean it'll work because you can tell a story from purge night anywhere in the it, country like, it seems kind of like a decent idea for like an ongoing thing you could have different things happening on purge or maybe the season leads up to purge i don't know well for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about yeah, yeah what is the purge what, the purge one night a year all crime is legal what yeah you know the idea being that Oh my god, I'm 14 years old. I just wrote an awesome screenplay. Yeah. This one night lets everyone release these pent-up urges to murder and kill and whatever and and somehow that makes reduces the crime rate and works. <laughs> yeah, they control people um, by saying like purge night will get yeah. you, so behave all year round. Uh, it's the first movie is like that's the central premise of it all, uh, but it takes place at the house of one of the guys that builds purge shelters, so they outfit security systems on houses to survive purge That's cool. Night, That's cool. But it doesn't work. <laughs> like They're kind of ripping people off, and so he kind of gets what he deserves. Sort of, but not really. I just the, the, the whole idea that one night a year to just go out and do whatever is so... <laughs> It's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's like a fourteen-year-old's yeah. idea, right? Like, but yeah, but because it takes place over the entire country, you can have an anthology series where you just tell different purge stories. I'm in. Why not? I'm yeah. in. Um, so you you like uh, Alejandro Gonzalez in a Ritu, right? Yeah, he's all right. He does some okay stuff. Mm-hmm. He's making a VR movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let that, uh, let that marinate. How is it going to be screened? In VR. So you will put on a VR headset, if you will, and experience Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu and uh, Chivo, Emmanuel Lubezki's teaming up with him, of course. They're Mm -hmm. making... Here's the thing. You, You say, okay, that could be good. That might not be good. It's apparently about a... uh, The immigration... Between like a sort of a uh, migrants coming over the Mexico U.S. border, and it's like a really intense, harrowing experience. Imagine you are. Imagine what it would be like as someone illegally crossing the border. How dangerous and terrifying! And are resolutions like good enough on VR headsets now to make a feature film like this? Um, <clears throat> well, what you would probably do. I mean, to film it, yeah, you'd be good to go, right? You just yeah. have like a series of, you know, high res, you know, you know, the red camera. Yeah, you just get a yeah. bunch of, you know, eight, 4K cameras and put them in, you know, a, a sort of spherical thing and uh, 
capturing it would be no problem. You capture in a 360 degree, like, you know, like a Google Street View kind of ball looking thing. But if it, and then ask for the gra- like the headset, people are going to vomit. And Yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Because it seems get really sick. Stupid. Like, you're banking on people not feeling nauseous and sort of, you know, if, if someone wants to get out of there, they can't really turn their eyes away from anything, you know, like. We'll see. I mean, he's obviously he's done some fantastic films over the past couple of years. At the same uh, time, like, yeah, I, I agreed. Yeah. Imagine experiencing, I imagine watching the, the, the Revenant kind of felt like a VR movie. Does that sound crazy? It felt like you're on your PC and you've you've changed the field of view to like wait, you know, skewed way back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything's like warped and shit. That's because the camera's right underneath the actors' faces, or it's, and it's the entire super, landscape. Super wide angle lens, yeah. right? Like crazy wide. Um, I, Revenant felt like I was kind of, I was kind of you know in a big sphere. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was kind of in this big VR sphere a little bit. Yeah, I can so. see where you're coming from. There were definitely some shots that felt a little skewed and it, and and sort of the, the camera just sort of glides up and sort of looks around this it almost looks like a viewpoint looking through a vr space yeah as you said we have to wait and see what this thing's but, all about but how are we going like it's not going to be in theater is everyone going to sit in a theater and have like a vr it, it's yeah got, like, it, what is the point of that no one's going to be able to see this thing yeah, it's like a tech demo. Is it fifteen minutes long? It, it huh. can't. It cannot be two hours and forty minutes, right? Like you, you it cannot. People, hell no. Like, like you, that, you can't have expect people to wear a giant heavy thing on their head. Well, and VR with film is. I don't like. I don't know how I feel about that so much. See, games where you actually have input and can control what thing what what's happening makes it a little more stomachable, I, I, I find, yeah. just on my limited experience. If you're just a kind of a passenger that can look around without any control, that's going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah, like where do you, if you're the director, where do you want your audience to look? Yeah. I mean, that might open up a whole new set of challenges and a whole new um, sort of set of creative, you know, opportunities to a director. You can now direct the viewer's eye to a certain thing in a much different way. I mean, I mean, this might, it's going to be a lot of removing cranes and lights and <laughs> yeah, posts. I know, right. It doesn't work. Uh, people all hiding underneath this globe. There's like this big brown splotch, like of just digital smearing under like at the very bottom where all the crew is. I don't know how you <laughs> oh, do shit, this. There's someone with a gun over there. I'll look over. Hey, that's the boom operator. Yeah, I don't know how you do <laughs> this. Right. So, um, but it, 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 it if if you ask someone who has a stock in this thing, I bet they'll tell you that you know VR is going to rewrite the way we watch cinema and play video games and all that. And well, games for I can see that being incredible I mean, eventually. But, but again, can you see yourself wearing a VR headset that weighs like two or three pounds, like weighing down on your face for? You know, for three three hours playing a video game, you know? Well, you know, 10 years, it'll just be part of our brain. What if you kind of want to lie down on the couch and you've got all these cables wrapped around and it's... Don't you know that everyone plays games and watches sitting straight up with great posture? Okay. Like... In their in their big, huge living room with, yep. all, with all the all space. All this room. Yeah. To set up <laughs> all these sensors and shit. Oh, uh, yeah. 
We'll yeah. see. I mean, we'll see. there's a very good chance that VR could have, uh, in the early 90s, virtual reality had this big upstart and then it just died. They had like Dactyl Nightmare. <laughs> Do you remember that thing? <laughs> yep. um, and it's just, bow, it just died on the vine. And then I, I could easily see that happening again. Like we're not there yet, you know? Like Not quite. As soon as, when you can put on a pair of sunglasses and then get her going, that's when people will get into this. It's funny that Google Glass is wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, that seems a little more practical than these giant VR, like Oculus Rifts. It know. didn't last very long, did it? No. It is a distant memory. People, I don't think people like the idea of just these cameras on on a pair of glasses and you're just walking around filming everything that you, everything look, at. That you look at. Yeah, that's fair. I think it... Yeah, I think it became a privacy issue, and Google was like, we can't do this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the final story of the night, not a heck of a lot of news. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. It's coming out in 2017. We got a... Uh, it's going to be a New York Comic Con, which I guess we're going to get a full trailer for this this thing has been in production since 2015 the summer of 2015 we still don't even have a real trailer for it um i think that the the planet of the apes series the reboot so good is probably the best franchise that is currently in like you know in 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 production i guess like better than pretty much anything else going on really they're fantastic films, right? Really. Um, like it's and it's going so in- unbelievably well. You have the Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is a really good movie, unexpected, surprisingly, you know, sort of comes out of nowhere. Is this really enjoyable thing? Yep. And then Dawn is so good. Like I've seen a lot of people online putting Dawn of the Planet of the Apes like in the conversations as one of the greatest sequels ever made. It did for me. It really sure. is like yeah. Dawn, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, kids. Don't don't sleep on these apes movies, everybody. Do yourself a favor. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is in the same conversation as Empire Strikes Back and Terminator Two. Like, yep, everything that a sequel should do, it does. Uh, oh my god! And then we have the third chapter, which I'm not sure where it's going to fit. We can maybe talk about it in War for the Planet of the Apes, the third chapter of the critically acclaimed blockbuster franchise caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel woody harrelson well they sort of they set that up at the end of of two there's right? like a big army coming right yeah. yeah uh after the apes suffer unimaginable losses caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind as the journey finally brings them face to face caesar and the colonel are pitted against each other in an epic battle that will determine the fate of both their species and the future of the planet. Yes. Cool. It sounds like the opening of this thing is going to be a huge slaughter fest. Like Woody Harrelson is a great actor. He's just so. going to fucking annihilate all of these apes. Uh, and then it's going to be this revenge story. And Caesar's going to, I think, probably bite the bullet in this one for sure. He's going to like die a martyr. And then they're going to build statues of him. He's going to transcend to be a god among the apes. And then I'm, I got to ask you, when do we get the Mars mission landing back? Is that apes four? Totally. Marky Mark's back for that too. Oh, don't even, don't even, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm asking for real because the, the that maybe, would have to be four. Maybe my favorite part of the whole Apes franchise is in Rise of the Planet of the Apes on the TV screen, in the background, ever so subtly, is little news reports that say Mars mission lost. Uh, you know, sort of where 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 is Mars mission? Search continues. I didn't even notice that. Amazing. That's all it is. That's all it is. So it, then it has to be four. See, but how brilliant is this fucking franchise? If in this in this movie they're seeding something that is like f- three or four movies ahead of where they're at, like they're just we're gonna set up this amazing maybe trilogy before we even get to the Charlton Heston storyline that everyone knows as the traditional Planet of the Apes plot. I mean, we're not even we have another movie to go before we probably get to that. And then it's going to be great. We have this awesome... Now we've gotten to know these apes so well, and we hate humans, and then these assholes, these astronauts land Landed 10,000 years yep. later. Good Lord. Uh, uh, this is so tight. I love it. Let's hope they don't drop the ball with the third one and then do a Star Trek Beyond kind of situation or something. I don't think they will. We'll have to see the trailer. Finger, fingers crossed. Trailer's probably... I don't know when New York Comic Con is. But I think it's imminent. They've treated the first two films with such respect. Oh my god! That that shot of Koba on the tank is one of my favorite single shots in any action movie. Just that rotating is locked onto the barrel, and it's just spinning as he's taking guys out and pulling the dude out of it. Oh my god! I have to watch that again. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Now I'm going to watch that this week. Yes, Dawn of the Planet Apes. I think that should do it. Do you have any other cool stories? Uh, in news that's no news, it was apparently just announced that Firefly is the most beloved short-run series of all time. Yeah, we were talking about this on the break. Yeah. That's that's not really news. but no, it kind <laughs> I of is. We, I mean, our discussion led to the suggestion that this, you know, this series probably is beloved because it's so short-lived. I mean, this, well, because the series itself is good. In its uh, ten episodes or whatever it was, but we both agreed, and we're probably going to get some flack from some of our listeners that had it carried on, it it was unlikely to maintain that that level, and that it would diminish, and Firefly would not be nearly as popular as it is now if it had continued. Yeah. Uh, so in a weird twist of fate, it became an even larger show by being canceled. Like the hype is like increased because yeah. of so how short lived like there, there's no episodes i guess that people don't like exactly it, it gives the impression that this show is just flawless and every episode of it would would always have been perfect and i mean red, i wish red was here cuz he's the i think he's the the biggest i'm i'm an i'm an okay fan you're an okay fan I'm, he, I, I'm he's not. a serious serious Okay. Firefly fan. Well, I'm sure he's going to listen to this and come back next week and tell a, like, give us what for oh, and defend okay. the point. Okay. Um, I mean, there's also the Dead Men Tell No Tales trailer that just... With Javier Bardem. Rocked the boat. For Pirates of the Caribbean it's 5. A new, there's a, there's, this is the fifth Pirates movie? Yep. Damn. Starring the dude who uh, was in the best movie of last year. This year, bro. This year. Oh, wow. It seems so long ago now. Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Back uh, in March. So, Johnny Depp is in this. Yes. He is. Okay. Johnny Depp. I, I Yeah. 
But Javier Bardem plays this weird penguin-looking guy with black stuff coming out of his mouth. Like Tim Burton penguin. Tim Burton penguin. Yeah. Uh, Batman Returns yeah, penguin. Yeah, Batman Returns penguin. To be to be saved there. But it's like, looks like ILM is at it again with like crazy character animations and facial CGI shit. Like these, these Pirates movies are like excuses for them to just spend like probably $70 million on CGI just because, why not? Like, let's just make skeletons and, like, guys with barnacles and fucking starfish coming out of their eyeballs. Well, and these guys look like they're ghosts because it's dead men tell no tales because parts of them are missing. So they're walking around, and you can see, in like, in the background, you can see a guy's, like, eyes, but he's got no lower jaw, and it's not that he's con- that's connected to anything. It's open space. So yeah, it's like okay. an invisible invisible man. They're like invisible. Yeah, yeah, they're like mummies, like invisible yeah. mans. Yeah. Uh, I think Javier Bardem as this really spooky dead character looks incredible. It's almost like uh, when he takes the the mouthpiece out of his head. You remember? Oh yeah. When he when and then it just like his cheek collapses and droops down. Yeah. When Silva Silva yeah. When he removes his I guess false teeth, but his whole head slides off. It, it, he looks kind of a little bit like that guy taken to the nth degree. It looks scary, man. He's and he's a good actor, so I'm into we'll it. Like see. as soon as I said oh, that's Javier Bardem, I'm in. I mean, I'm not. I think they need. I'm to be, interested. Maybe I'm not in. I'm interested. I admit that I enjoy the pirates movies simply because there's not a lot of good pirate stuff out there. You know, who doesn't like pirates? But I think they would be best served to get rid of Johnny Depp at this point. I couldn't even get through, yeah, reboot the whole thing. Like he's he's just become such a character of the character who is already a bit of a character. And he's washed up anyway, but Johnny yeah. Depp is bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Say it, yeah. Uh, but I, I, didn't even, I couldn't even finish the fourth one. I, I can't even get through it. Which I think is still the most expensive. The fourth one was not that great. The fourth movie, I think, is the most expensive movie ever made. I think it costs like really? three hundred and twenty million dollars or something, and and none of that's on screen. I I don't know where any of the money is. I don't. They got real mermaids. Dead men tell no tales. You can't have another dead man like dead man's chest. Yeah, and we we talked about this on the break as well, where dead men tell no tales is from the the original ride, but that's still a long subtitle of a movie so does that give us any clues? pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no <laughs> tales terrible they have really bad names yeah. like at world's end and on stranger tides Ugh, these are brutal things um but i mean does does the ride give us any clues as to who the uh weird no, villains not are? at all the ride no. is just you go through there's ghosts in the ride well not I don't think so. Yeah. There's some skeletons. It's a boat that goes through an animatronic Tortuga, <clears throat> which is the pirate town. You know what pirates didn't do? Mm. Cause the BP oil spill. That's true. I mean, you, maybe they did? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they were not responsible for that. No. Unless you want to account BP executives. I think BP at, was responsible for the BP oil they, spill. They might, they might fancy themselves pirates of the Caribbean, but... yeah. Like, they're like, oh, this thing called the BP oil spill. Well, who do you think should handle it? Pirates. Mm-hmm. Into it. Uh, our review of Deepwater Horizon, I think this is going to be a really, like, yeah, this, highly praiseworthy. It's such a surprise. So uh, let's... Uh, oh, my God. Let's, let's, let's get, get into our, it. Let's get, let's get our uh, hard hats on, our uh, red jumpsuits. I want to get a jumpsuit, man. Make sure it's not magenta. A red one? Um 
my girlfriend and I are like like going to buy jumpsuits, uh, like flight suits, and just chill out in them. Why not? Like I, I'm very embarrassed to reveal this to the world, but I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, I wore one when I jumped out of the plane. Can't wait. We're just going to chill out in awesome like flight suits. Like We're going to be like NASA astronauts waiting to go into space. And I'm sure that will come into handy at one point. Who knows? You never know. Uh, do you want to review? I would love to review this film. Deepwater Horizon. machines need repair uh 390 mr jimmy 390 yes sir almost 10 percent all the machinery aboard name a few for me a few i would love to hear exactly what piece of mission critical equipment are down where do i start a driller chair process station 18 bob control pods telephone system pipe racket system gps antenna direct tv system wireless internet iron roughneck top drive rack bag system auxiliary drawers control salt water service pump smoke alarms in a galley the reason why you're sweating so hard is because the compressor for the AC on this deck are down, too. Who are you? Mike Williams, Chief ET. So that was a clip from Deepwater Horizon, a story set on the offshore drilling rig Deepwater Horizon, which exploded during April 2010 and created the worst oil spill in U.S. history. Uh, Deepwater Horizon is directed by Peter Berg, and it stars Mark Wahlberg, Kurt Russell, Kate Hudson... Dylan O'Brien, Gina Rodriguez, uh, John Malkovich, and Ethan Supley. You know him, right? From the Maze Runner series? Is that Ethan Supley? <laughs> I don't think so. No, no. Uh, my a, name is Earl? He's a large dude. My name is Earl. He's very famously from, uh, yeah, My Name is Earl. Uh, he's in My Name, uh, I think, American History X, I believe, is one of his really uh, other roles. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Um and he is a Scientologist, according to Wikipedia, so uh, not cool. <laughs> this is it, though. This is a big one. I, I was look, I've been looking forward to this movie for quite a long time. In fact, even before Peter Berg, the director of Battleship, my boy, <laughs> uh, who also has a movie called Patriot's Day coming out later this year with Mark Wahlberg about oh. the Boston bombings. And just today, it was announced that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor doing the score for that thing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Peter Berg came onto this project that was originally set up by J.C. Chandor, the guy who did All Is Lost. Did you see that with Richard uh, Robert Redford? With Robert Redford. Yeah. Uh, the solo, you know, Lost at Sea movie where there's like like two to ten lines of dialogue total. Um. Yeah, he did that. He did Margin Call. He did Most Violent Year. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Good director. I, I really love Margin Call. He set this movie up and was going to direct it. He stepped down from the project. Peter Berg comes I wonder in. why. I can't recall. I think he just was probably not into doing the big studio thing. Okay. Um, I, I'd be anxious to see what his movie would have been like. Uh, but we have this one that is... Which is pretty... Probably one of the nicest 
like one of the biggest surprises of the year. Is that fair to say? For a larger budget studio film, yes. Like this movie sure. is way better. I'll get, I'll say it right now. This movie is way better than it has any right to be. Really, it's for for sure. That's uh, I was as I said, I was away this weekend, but a bunch of friends I hadn't seen in a while. I was talking this movie up to all of them. I was like, man, you got to go see this. Right? It's something else. Yeah. Uh, I have a bold claim <clears throat> that I'm going to get into later in the review here. Um, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear what you think. I'd like to hear what the listeners think. It's kind of crazy what I'm going to say, but Mike, Ooh, okay. we'll get into it. What did you think of Deepwater Horizon? I really enjoyed Deepwater Horizon. And the reason I enjoyed it is because the tension built so beautifully throughout the the first hour and 15 minutes or mm-hmm. however long it takes. I, can't, I was so lost. I don't even um, know. It's not an, a horribly long film. Too short, in my opinion. Um, but it it's paced so well. And like the acting's all fine. I, I wouldn't say there's any necessarily standout performances in it for me. Um, but it's very competent and... It shows life on this. I guess it's a boat, really. I didn't realize the horizon was a like a boat. Yeah, the, the one of the characters says that. You know, because the, the, it's not on stilts. It looks like a. Pla- yeah, this ain't platform. no. This ain't no stilt job or something. Yeah, like. which that, that blew my mind. It's like, oh, okay. I guess I didn't know a, a lot about this, but seeing the characters interact and just go about their daily business, and the dialogue's all very. Hey, we're at work, but they've got the camaraderie going. It's a tight group of people. It it, it shows that very well. And it it gives a lot of time for that to breathe. So you get to know these characters over the course of, I guess, a few hours on the horizon in that first three quarters, two thirds of the film. And every conversation between a BP executive and one of, and like, say, Kurt Russell, who's in charge of the boat, we, we start off in this film seeing that safe safety protocol guys have gone off and apparently didn't do what they were supposed to. And the tension that builds between the conversations from the BP executives. John Malkovich and Kurt Russell yeah. is, a, is a great uh, back and forth. Like just saying, well, we're 43 days behind. That's the big driving force here. This is BP are definitely the antagonists of this film. They uh, are not painted in a very... I understand from a corporate and executive point of view having seen that before in you know out in the world they're 43 days behind schedule they want to get this rolling but they they don't care about safety really like it's all about dollars and cents to them so seeing them try to push and then when it leads into them doing a test because kurt russell he won't do anything uh, Mr. Jim won't do anything until they've at least done Mr. Jimmy some sort of safe safety test. <clears throat> and just the bullshit that John Malkovich comes up with to try and prove that things are okay. And the unfortunate uh, circumstance where their second test was just broken and no one knew and seemed to show that everything was all right. Just all of these interactions, you know something bad is going to happen. Like we know, we know the story—not not this story—but we know that there was an accident. You know it's going to go wrong. You, you're waiting for it at any moment, and, and every I, little back and forth just builds that tension more and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once it finally gets to where things, the shit hits the fan, the sense of release, like like 
the overwhelming tension giving way to this huge, ridiculous experience, uh, it blew me away. Like, I was brought to tears. Wow. Like, just by being overwhelmed mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, like I, was, I, a few shots that are just these wide shots of just chaos unfolding in front of you. I can, I can see why that would be affecting. It, it, it's sort of like the, the, when you watch something extremely destructive and chaotic happening, you. I was in awe. Yeah, of what was it, going on? Yeah, you're overwhelmed. Yeah. with just like you can't believe what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement. This movie's uh, exhilarating, and my claim here. Is that 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 in that final like when we finally do build up to that release and that and that action bursts into life in and the oil you know spill occurs and and then subsequently like the entire rig catches on fire the explosion was because mm-hmm. we sort of have an initial basically a burst of of oil which is destroying the entire rig initially and then. The amazing sequence of the gas getting generated and sucked into the ventilation systems, and then when it finally does ignite within one of the engines, uh, and it just like it it just snaps and bursts. Um, that that moment, what, the explosion was when it was just like I was staring at the screen and I just felt a little tear go. It's <laughs> like, oh my Christ. god, yeah, yeah. Th- this really did it for you. It eh? did. I, I, I mean. <clears throat> the, the the wide shot what got me of, of the actual oil like bursting out of the top of the rig um it 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 is astounding and to me it this is going to sound crazy i don't know if maybe maybe not lay it on me i'll ask you a question is is it is is the is the oil is the oil burst sequence is the actual Explosion sequence in Deepwater Horizon at all similar to what Steven Spielberg did in the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, like in 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 terms of how to stage an action sequence and just show pure chaos unfolding. Like in, in the way that the action is depicted in Deepwater Horizon, like none of it is is badass. None of it looks like. None of it looks sick. Like none of it is like shot in a way that looks like, oh, that looks awesome. No, it's all very matter of fact, and it's ho- is... it's horrifying. Yeah, the the way that things are destroyed in this movie is really horrifying. Um, and and I, I've seen a lot of reviews comparing it a little more to like almost a horror a horror movie. You know, it, it it's going for terror. It's not going for like typical action movie thrills. It it's going for sheer overwhelming horror and i think that's probably that's why what, what i felt really you, you were moved to to the point of just being like yeah you, you didn't believe what you were seeing i guess exactly just the fact that this horrific event actually happened i mean maybe not exactly as they portrayed it but very similar like just that was unbelievable to me and and the, and, and the way that that pipe control room gets completely demolished is 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 so chaotic and absolutely insane. Like, yeah. I I felt like I was crushed inside of this glass room with with pipes, blood, like bursting through the walls and giant girders smashing through. I mean, the the heat like leaps off of the screen in this thing. Uh, everything has so much weight to it. Kurt Russell when he gets smashed with this giant plate of glass. I mean. A normal movie would just have him sort of roll out of it and 
he's sort of all dazed, but he has to he has to sit there and and actually pick pieces of glass one by one out of his body. I mean, well, yeah, he's got a huge shard of glass in his <clears throat> foot, so he's got to take that out so he can at least walk. I mean, this is like a war movie. It's it's a war movie against just the the the, the power of nature, but it's not really nature. Like we we fucked this up. Yeah. Right? Like like we we a well at the bottom of the ocean wouldn't normally do this because we drilled two miles down to a pocket of oil. Like this wouldn't happen naturally. You wouldn't have this pressurized well because we dug it and created this. Mm-hmm. It was a man-made disaster, and I think that, I think the tragedy of it is so much. It's elevated because of that, um, and it and it's because it didn't have to happen. It's not a natural disaster where, okay, shit, floodwaters, hurricanes, earthquakes, that's tragic. But honestly, there's not a lot that can be done in those situations except trying to survive yeah. or what, whatever. But this is a highly regulated industry. Yes. So this was 100% avoidable. With thousands of wells dug all around the world, I would imagine. BP is like, this is the, this is their jam. Like, this is what they do. Yep. They're a billion, multi-billion dollar company that does this all the time. And, I mean, anyone who's had a job has seen that not every company, every 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 company, rather, uh, has some aspects that are poorly run. Like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's unavoidable. Um, it's just the sheer nature of having more than one person r- working at a company, well, right? So and, you, you have uh, just a clash of ideas and things get mixed up and nothing's ever perfect. And so... The fact that there was so much pressure from the executives, none of the workers wanted to proceed. Like none, they all, and they didn't say it, but on screen you could see they all had a gut feeling that they shouldn't be moving ahead with any of it. Like there was a real uh, was Ezra? Is that his name? Um, who the, the John John Malkovich? No, no, the um, the actor who played the drill guy, the head guy in. In the in the drill in the drill oh um, Ethan, Ethan Ethan Supley Ethan Supley yeah he did a pretty good job of just wrestling with the idea because Mr Jimmy said well I mean if you think that this is okay to move forward because mm-hmm. the test didn't match up okay let's move forward and if he had decided no no I'm not doing this this wouldn't have happened but the only reason that he even went ahead with it is because he had John Malkovich breathing down his neck, pushing for it. And so watching him just sit there for a minute on screen, really weighing, not wanting to do it, but realizing he might have no choice. Like he's, it's his job, uh, was really good. I, I, that, the t- that just added to this tension. Like it felt so real. Well, and, and you know that, so what's, what's basically what's happening at this, in, in, during the lead up to this is they're getting basically, mixed messages right they're getting different readings from different gauges yeah and, and they're not exactly sure what what, what to believe like well, is this is, the primary pipe and is this under pressure is it not like we don't know so they they, they their their gauges are saying that there's no pressure at all we're good to go open the valve and then all of a sudden there's a yeah. little shit ton of pressure so let's let let's step backwards a little bit um i want to break this down to the opening sequence 
like not even before the credits have rolled did you did you see how there's opening testimony from the real mike williams yeah. as we're seeing the film logos like that was really well done loved it we we know that he survives right off the bat he says i'm mike williams um and he just starts info dumping this crazy technical stuff about drilling right he's telling mm-hmm. us about uh, about the blowout preventer and about mud and all this crazy shit. So we're getting this, like, the info dump of, like, technical stuff. We're already getting, like, settled into this world, like, as the the film logos are dropping, which maybe is another irony. You're watching company logos <laughs> go by and you're listening to this litigation. Uh, I thought that led the film very well. Like, it's good. Um and then and the jump first, into the first shot of the movie where it's, you just open in the blackness and following that pipe down to the empty blackness mm-hmm. down to the bottom um like it's just this endless darkness i loved the, that whole opening like this feels so fucking dangerous and it really does and having something that far down like it's you're fucked well, and the score does a a good job with this film as well, because it every time we're looking at that pipe, it's basically monster music. Yeah, from other movies, like it is the beast that's going to cause this loss of life, and oh man, it, it's so foreboding. <laughs> you just you are uneasy watching this pipe. It's so long. It's five. How long is it? Uh, it's two miles. Two miles long. Um, and then we cut to Mike Williams' family. I think oh, this was a decent setup. It could have been way, way more lame and cringeworthy. It 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 it, it dodged a bunch of bullets, and it, it felt pretty good. I thought me. it was a pretty good exposition uh, scene where, hey, your daughter is going to do a presentation on what you do. Exactly. With easy sequence, it's all taking yeah. place at the breakfast table, right? It's all in one scene before he's going off on to his, you know, next job on deep water. So we have the daughter tell us how his what he does, how the job works. Love it. Very organically. It was I I really Love appreciated it. that. Um I mean, I didn't need her to say I my daddy tames the dinosaur. I didn't need her to say that twice. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, got it was pretty cute the first time when it was a little more subtle and then we get a nice like locked off like zoom in I, my daddy tames the dinosaurs um that still didn't ruin anything still loved nope. it yep. um and it it's a nice way of like easing us into the like complex world of like deep water drilling which no one is going to know about so She's talking about the mud that they pump in. The heavy mud. Yeah, and and sort of he's correcting her in certain spots to give us even more information. It's all really nice. Yeah, very well done. Actually, I have a question with that. Throughout the entire film, they keep saying cement. It's not cement. Is, I love it, is, it. It, is it cement? Like, are they just saying it that way? S E A? Like, yeah, some sort like of cement for the ocean? Yeah. No, it's, it's you it's got just... southerners doing <laughs> their thing. You know, we got to pour the cement. Okay. We got to pour that cement into, just, into I, the whale. I wasn't sure. <laughs> like I it love could, it. It could well have I love cement. On that note, I'm not sure exactly what John Malkovich is is doing with his Cajun accent here. Do you do you have any clue? Like, I, it, it's kind of, I don't know what he's, what's going on. It's all over the place. No. It's weird and British at some points or something. I, it's, it's fucked up. Um. 
this this movie made me want to play Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> <laughs> Chilling on the oil rig, right? Yep. Um. So, despite these things that nicely set up and ease us into this movie, that is fairly technical. Let's be honest. Like this, this movie is very like if if you there's scenes where I'm kind of lost in a sea of technical, but it's still very babble. accessible. Um. I don't know if being accessible is even really important in some scenes. It's it's you're 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 creating the realistic world of these mm-hmm. guys, so they're they're not explaining to you what some of these gauges mean, and you know a lot of these pressure. Like, I guess what I didn't get is, um, Transocean's role in this process in the handover to BP. So Mark Wahlberg works for Transocean, right? Yeah. Who who owns? Who owns the Deepwater Horizon? I Who? believe it's Trans... If he works for Transocean, it's them, because Deepwater Horizon is basically contracted by BP to go and set up the wells. Mm-hmm. But he explains to his daughter, like, I'm the guy, I'm just the drillers. We leave and hand it over. Like, he says to her, I'm only there to do the drilling, and then we hand it over to BP. So yep. um, they they are people who manage the, the creating the well, I guess, and establishing it. Yeah, they drill in and then cap it with the cement and cement. the cement and leave. And that's when BP comes back in, opens it up again with a more permanent uh, drill, I guess. Okay. So Transocean, Mark Wahlberg's role is like, we don't know anything about like pumping oil and delivering it to customers. We just dig holes. Yep. We're, we're drillers. We're Harry Stamper and, you know... Bruce Willis in Armageddon. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah, stamper oil. So basically, I don't really understand like the handover. I guess the handover isn't very clearly illustrated. Like, and I'm not sure it's it matters as much. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, I guess it doesn't. I just feel like there's there's a lot of sort of you know business shit happening amongst the characters here that I don't think is explained. It feels very chaotic in terms of what's going on on a corporate. level here and it feels like we're just sort of lost in that um like yeah i can see that like that is one of the faults of the film is like what is less clear than it could be like what is this other ship doing here like so when we arrive there to get all the mud that they're kurt russell's pissed off that he says what is the bronston or whatever it's called what what is the bob i forget what it's called why is this other trawler ship out here and i didn't really ever understand what they like it's a nice setup for like, oh, we're here so we can rescue you guys later when the explosion happens. Like, I didn't know what they were. They part of the they're, the, the they're part of the drilling process. That that other boat yeah, is there to once once the cement is sealed properly. This is what I got out of it. The, once the cement and everything and the blowout prevention cap is all certified, which is what didn't happen. BP sent those guys home without doing the test they were supposed to at the very start of the film. Mm-hmm. Once that's good, they pump all the mud that's been holding the whale out, I think, so that it's now accessible for when BP comes in. So They that, just clip on and start pumping. So that boat is there to take the mud that they're going to pull out. They said that, like, we're here to grab, like, 2,000 tons of but why whatever. is kurt russell mad they're, they're there because uh, he doesn't think they're ready to actually do that because that's the final step uh, before okay, they leave thanks thank, thank yeah. you like he, like that's it's too the, early it's in the too process. early for them to be there yeah okay um again not fully laid out you know we're not experts in this whole 
crazy drilling process. So it's crazy. I don't know how these negative pressure tests work. Uh, they want zero pressure within the pipes themselves, I believe, meaning everything's sealed off properly. So there's no issue is what I get from that. So maybe what they do is they, they, they go negative pressure, like so that they see if anything gets like drawn out of the, the well. Yeah. So what, what I understood it is, yeah, exactly. So the cement is there to seal it in and the mud is there to make sure that it's all settled. So if they open it up, there should be nothing pushing against it because it's all sealed properly. Mm-hmm. Even, and then they do like a vacuum on it to see if they can actually suck it out yeah. accidentally or something. Okay. Um, it boils down to greedy corporations don't give a fuck about safety, though. Yep. You know, they're just skipping these entire well tests altogether. Because Mark Wahlberg flies out at the start of the film to the deep water with two execs from BP, and everyone's wondering what the hell they're even doing here. Because there's already representatives on the horizon. So, like, what are these guys? They're there to try and push things forward because they're 43 days behind schedule, right? And... These guys do nothing. Like the the looks on their faces when things go wrong. If it, like I feel a little morbid having it's the Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude of of that because it's I, I don't mind if it's a fictional event, but kind of laughing at their misery didn't seem right when people actually died in a situation. But just seeing the faces of those BP execs knowing they fucked up yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, the pacing of this movie is incredible where you don't really know at what point, like, when are we really going to get this big blowout? Like, when is it going to happen? You sort of are expecting it almost at any moment. Because there are multiple times where it could happen. Like, the the tests they do, they keep cutting, and this is so well done, they keep cutting back to the cement slowly cracking. So as the film goes, it keeps showing us that things are getting worse. Little bubbles. So at any point... Little bubbles are coming out. Yeah. yeah. That's why um, this this movie works so brilliantly because you you, re- you don't... They don't know, obviously, anything's going to happen. And neither do do you as the, as the viewer. So um, it feels like... I could almost have watched this movie. I, didn't, I, I almost didn't care when it happened. I knew it was going to... But I could have kept going another 20 minutes of, like, I was, as you were saying, I, I enjoyed this amazing build of tension so much that I didn't care how long we drew it well, out I was, I was fully on board along for that ride. And I'll actually say, for the last third of the movie, it wasn't nearly as good. It kind of devolved into just a regular action film I, I, I that's why i had to sort of i might bring this this movie down a half a point only because once after that initial disaster happens it does feel like this movie sort of rushes to its destination because uh, you can't top that that is the climax of the film and then it it's just, just an escape it's an escape sequence escape, yeah. at that point yeah so it's an interesting like it's an interesting structure profile of an action movie, right? Like it's not mm. your typical, like sort of the way that the, the action is plotted out is not in a typical action movie way where you have sort of little beats along the way up to a finale. Like it's a, just a big, this slow burn, slow burn up to the middle almost or three quarters of the way. And then it does, it does, it doesn't peter out. There's amazing it just, sequences. It just levels off is the thing. Like, so that build of tension is now gone. Uh, and 
So it got me to this elevated stage of just being a little overwhelmed. And it stayed fairly constant as I was watching, but started to lower as... Yeah. Um, so do you, should we get into some spoilers here? I don't yeah. think there's tons, but we can do it. Sure. I thought that the kind of the spoilers here are really who doesn't die. And, yes. and then and I think what we're talking about right now, having this sort of this movie levels off, is we for some reason we actually focus on every character that we focus on, aside from Ethan Supley, who J- John Jameson, I think, or Johnson. They they call his name out on the boat yeah. at the end. And he's one who just it's just just an you know empty silence, and yeah. they realize he's not there. Uh, he's the only character I think that that actually bites the dust. None of the other, the other than well, no, everyone who was in that drill ca- uh, cabin, they're all done. They're all done. But we don't follow anyone else who actually dies, no. and I I think that is to the movie's detriment. Um, yeah, I could see that. Like. Wouldn't this movie be no, a little no. more effective? We if- have the crane operator, the heroic crane operator. <laughs> who, that. Uh, that, that was I mean, all right, I guess. Well, that actually happened, didn't it? You yeah, have, yeah, you yeah, have but, to but, have that in there. But did we follow him? Do we know anything? Not really. Right? We, we had like a, a very brief conversation when Mark Wahlberg, when Mike just landed on the rig for his 21 day it's stint. Just, I, I really wish that we sort of had had followed some like we had more emotional weight to something where we we followed a character created like ability and and sort of humanity as we go through this you know oh i like you know mark Wahlberg or one of these characters you know is likable and i hope they don't die and to to to, oh. to make the decision of following one of one of the characters who didn't make it off i i actually i'll be honest i th- i kind of thought that's maybe what we were doing we already. Were, we're doing with this movie. I, I don't know if that's my expectations. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I could see how that would have elevated the thing that this entire film even further because it worked so well with the drill cabin team. Because Ethan Supley, uh, we got the most from, but just the quick interactions with the other guys, the money, money, money song. Yeah, it's money. good. Yeah, I like, like that. I like that. Stuff. We got the the personalities of those guys. We know that they work together and have a good time. So, it like. It was a pretty large impact once they exploded. Like what the oil ignited right in front of them, and that's like I'm uh, not. I'm not sure what we got out of following the characters that we followed. If that makes any sense, like do you, do you know what I mean? Does like Mark Wahlberg, his I, character, his character did nothing aside from just rescue some people, like just sort of wander around and well, he saved, also um, be concerned. He saved uh, Jane the Virgin's life. Yeah, Gina Rod. Yeah, that's sort of um, all he amounted to. You know, and I mean? and, and like, um, Mr. Jimmy, he helped him around yeah, too. He's just a rescuer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I, it it would have been nice to have followed some characters that that we could sort of maybe have a tribute to. Does yeah. The, is, is, does this, is that does that sound ridiculous? No, like, it, it doesn't. The because people who died, like you, did, at the end of the film, we dedicate these names appear. I didn't. We didn't even meet any of these people. We met a few, and I would have really loved to see. Who they were, like yeah, what the fuck, man? Like some of them we met, but I, I don't, I didn't like who, like, who were, who were the characters on a, screen? Like stick a name on the screen, yeah. Like honor it, man. Like this is the person, like I don't, or, or maybe pe- the families didn't want it. I have no idea, but it would have been nice if I had known 
who like whose name went with which character that I saw, like in the drill cabin for sure. But then, do you think this like, is like sort of a um a consequence of of depicting the movie in this sort of battle like war to- like almost like a like in such a chaotic way and, and uh, yeah. the people are just getting hammered and blown into that, yeah I the wall that. like like some of the characters that are supposedly you know this movie's paying tribute to all that amounts to them is just like they're a name that's not answered in the roll call yeah like, or, or just like a door that just smashes some guy's head against a, a you know, metal panel right. and blood flies on it and that, that's all we got like who who was that guy what yeah I mean it's sounding a lot harsher than than it is this we got to find some things that this movie could have done better because it's not a perfect film no but. no but the things that it does well I'm so blown away by it. and not, none of these ruin it for me at all no. um I, uh, I I have to say and this is simply more about how this would have been happening when Mark Wahlberg comes into the hotel at the end and, very, there, and there's that distraught big guy who obviously he's so worried about his son, he sees this beat-up guy and throws him up against the wall looking for information. Where's, where's my yeah. son? Where's my son? Yeah. It's like, I could see that really happening. Like, it, it did happen, obviously, but just how distraught these people are that they don't even see what's happening in front of them. They, they can't see this man is a survivor of this terrible thing, and you're just throwing him up against the wall. Yeah, I love that scene. It felt really realistic. Like, clearly, as you said, feels very drawn from life. Like, it's a good bet that really happened to Mike Williams. Um, I could see that happening, you know, well, shit like that all the time, right? Like from there on out. Well, the people not knowing what's what happened to their family. Mm -hmm. The the few scenes with Kate Hudson just calling another rig wife, um. And the little information they have, I thought that was pretty powerful too. Very, very good. Where um, you know that the person she's talking to on the other end only has fifteen seconds to speak to her about yeah. this. You know, he's like, "I have to go. I'm sorry." And and she's left hanging with, "I have, you know, my husband is on the like, ship. He's on a ship that's on fire. This is there's a fire on a rig. Is it the one my husband? Yes, it is. It's the one your husband's on. I have to go. Yeah. Um." Yeah, that's brilliant stuff. Like in in sort of the ending with the PTSD stuff, they're reunited, but it feels like there's maybe lingering. You know, this this pain is going to be there forever. Well, and, and that this, the hotel scene where he's just collapses all, collapses on the floor because it's so new that that actually got me all misty. It got a you again, too, right? See that that didn't do it for me as much as I wanted it to. It, it, it I I did get a bit misty too. I will admit it definitely worked on me. I wish it worked a little better because it did echo Captain Phillips to me mm. very simply. Like, it's depiction of this post-traumatic stress like immediately after something. You're, you're now safe. All of a sudden you can fall apart. And 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 movies rarely depict characters in shock. Yeah. And Captain Phillips, in my opinion, is the best movie ever made. In terms of that. of showing Tom a, someone genuinely in in this in a state of shock, like the movies don't even bother. They just send action heroes through the ringer, and they're just like doing one liners and stuff. Like w- when someone's in shock, they're kind of paralyzed and a zombie, and they can't even speak. And so the movies rarely bother going there. And the last five minutes of Captain Phillips is some of the best acting Tom Hanks 
has, has ever done. Has that ever done. So good. And it was all real, apparently, with that Navy officer. The the young lady just was told to go through her uh, oh okay her regular medical inspection routine with him, and he it was all ad libs, which is incredible. Jesus, wow. Um, so that to me, it's the end of Deepwater Horizon really wants to be Captain Phillips, and and a lot of the movie feels like it is trying to go for that big scale, you know real like captain phillips feels really realistic right it feels mm, it you does. Know, they're really on this cargo ship like it's all legit and deep water horizon they did build a giant water rig. tank yep. and with like the whole base of the legs and the like rig. a foot of water or whatever yeah it's Two crazy feet. um so yeah this stuff feels really real i i just the captain phillips similarities they don't get distracting but they are there uh, not to not to any bad degree, but the the ending with the post traumatic stress stuff feels very similar territory. Well, I think it's going to be a hard trap to to avoid because Captain Phillips portrayed it so well that any film that's trying yeah. to show this this shock is you're going to have to compare it to that. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I was de- I was definitely I was definitely getting emotional when they're. Just they're they're basically just lying on the floor, and it, yeah. it feels. I'm sure that's again something that the real Mike Williams probably for sure went through. So, and uh, uh, this movie really again the the things that we have to say about it are not anything that ruin it. It's no, these are nitpicks because overall, I, I thought this was fantastic. Uh, one thing we didn't mention, and I want to bring up for anyone who will see it, obviously, is I I very much enjoyed how it showed. Uh, the employees of Deepwater Horizon, not the BP guys, trying to make sure that there wasn't an environmental... They were trying to cut the cable and seal the well. Mm-hmm. They were trying to do that. But because of just how disastrous this was and how much pressure was in those pipes, it didn't work. Yeah, I, I love... I, it was so horrifying, that shot of of the blade yeah. attempting to close in on the pipe. And, and then, then just disintegrating, jamming halfway, and it, yeah, just just dissolving away, crazy. Um, I I meant to put it on when we were chilling on the break, but the, I have a documentary, a BBC documentary about the Deepwater Horizon and the aftermath of it. Which I mean, I think this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Some people don't agree with me, but I haven't. I I think. Peter Berg or somebody has a decent Aaron Sorkin. Hell yeah. Someone has a decent movie waiting for them about the entire fucking disaster of like there's a, there, there's another movie that takes place immediately after Deepwater Horizon. Is it 312 million yeah, like barrels were or gallons like or whatever? 80 day, 60 days of 85 days 85 days like of leaking. I mean, uh, there's a there's an interesting movie to be made there. Uh and the the what happened when they actually detached the cable from like the the Deepwater Horizon eventually just burnt off the top of the pipe, yeah, and it fell all the way down to the bottom as the ship sank, right? Uh, and apparently the the whole pipe was like tangled up on itself like a giant roller coaster, a thousand feet up wow. from the bottom, like this giant loop. And then back down on itself, and then that the, all of the oil was like spewing out of the end of the broken pipe, and then that's when they sort of sliced it off right at the well, yep. and started all these ridiculous things like the junk shot, what the hell, 
where they literally pumped junk into the like it was called the top kill project or something and they're like pumping garbage like actual garbage into the well hoping that that like seals it and then as soon as they like released it just all the garbage came back all the junk just came out and it's like okay great now there's oil and a bunch of junk yeah well done guys uh if there's one thing sorcerer has taught me it's that nitro is nitroglycerin is what we needed to do a well blowout so how do you do a blowout at the bottom of the ocean (laughs) so do we have ourselves some sort of submarine based version of sorcerer where you have to like take some nitroglycerin along the bottom of the ocean yes yes we do no you would just take it on a sub and then go down (laughs) (laughs) but the descent (laughs) the descent can be rocky um yeah, this movie's amazing. It's way too short, though. Like, it's uh, this movie was done before I knew it. It's an hour and 47 minutes with credits. Uh, I, I could have honestly sat there for another half an hour. I really could have. On the front end. Like, if they... I don't... I, don't, I, I guess, right? I didn't, I didn't need much more after the actual explosion, because that was where I thought all, all this beautiful tension it had been building was then released. Uh, and I was still very interested in the rest of it, but it was just a lesser film at that point for me. So if yeah. if we wanted to add a little bit, show us a few more crew members that lost their lives. Like, let us get to know them a little more. Okay, I think I'm with you. I mean, I said that earlier yeah. where you, you, it's I could have waited another, you know, like the, the build up to the initial blowout is so satisfying and the suspense is built in such a great way that you could sit there and watch it on that crescendo give me more of that yeah for sure um yeah i I thought the movie could have i when do we say this when do we say this movie could have been longer i know it's rare these days because most movies are two and a half three hours and action (laughs) movies are usually like yeah marvel movies 220s 230s now um i mean maybe that's maybe i should be happy maybe i should be thankful it's short and sweet um but it feels a little bit like it short changes. Like it feel like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not inconsequential, but it just give it some more time, as you said. Give it some more character development. Let's let's get to know the people who died here. See, I'm not even sure if it's the length, but I, I think it sort of just ends on a strange note for me. It just sort of yeah. Another director would have made this three hours long. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they would have made this this massive, epic thing, like Das Boot or something. Like, it would have been this giant... James Cameron would have put a fucking love story on here. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going off the rails here. Yeah, yeah, we are. That is Deepwater Horizon. Mike, what are you giving this movie out of 10? Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. <sighs> is, is, there, is there any fun doing this show? Because... What do you mean? Is that what you're giving it to? I'm too? giving it an eight and a half out of ten. Good book. God! I want to give it a nine. Um, it just they're, they're, they're those things that sort of bring it down. Yeah, it's not. It's not nine material. It it isn't. Not as we've said before on the show. Nine's really getting into award territory. And while this is an expertly crafted film, one of the best of the year. Yeah, just one of the best films of 2016. That's old, true. Period. That's true. I'm not really sure it's award worthy. Although you're not giving it an Oscar Isaac award uh, this nah, January. We'll see. We'll see. I think it might stay on some lists. Well, man. That, that, uh, it'll be on my award list, but I'm not sure it'll win. 
Well, what else matters? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that is Deepwater Horizon. Check it, it out. It is playing. Like yeah, let us know. Do please. yourself a it, favor. It, it's it's playing now in, in wide release. Uh, it didn't do heck of a lot of twenty mil, or 20 something mil. like that. It didn't do a heck of a lot of Which box is, office. I I highly expensive. recommend doing this. It was about one hundred and twenty. One hundred and ten, I think, is what. Yeah. Uh, if you see this movie, if you agree or disagree with our takes, please email us verticalviewing at gmail We'd love to hear what you got to say. Washes the taste of Magnificent Seven out. Oh of man, and uh, I think we got some decent stuff lined up next week we are reviewing the birth of a nation well we got some good stuff coming up i am the accountant impressed with the fall lineup it's 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 over the whole shit summer sandwich we've already digested it it was horrible now we We, can get into some good films the big dogs are gonna eat right yep uh yeah i'm very much looking forward to the birth of a nation this won the grand jury prize at sundance i've heard this movie compared to braveheart Interesting. So it's a slave version of Braveheart, kind of. This dude leads a bunch of rebels, you know, against the all right, the people who are being oppressed. Yeah, it's uh, I think pretty good. There's battles, there's battle scenes with axes and cool Braveheart shit. So it's like a better The Patriot, except on yeah. the yeah, yeah. Um, Mike, where can we find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter at Michael R. Lind and uh, Miguel Lind mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Instagram. Um, but honestly, if you're going to look at Instagram stuff, follow Vertical Viewing. Please. I need to yeah. connect that to my Twitter. Uh, I think all of sort of uh, yep. Very soon things it, should filter out. Very to soon that. it will be all connected together. Mm-hmm. The Vertical Viewing Empire grows every day. It sure does. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Scott Wilson BC. Is that you, with two L's? It's with two L's. You know it always is, man. Yep. The show is at Vertical Viewing on Twitter. You can email verticalviewing at gmail.com. Please do. Verticalviewing.com. Click that donate button, y'all. Uh, we appreciate anything you can do. Helps us keep the lights on in here. Helps us slice off that little internet piece. Plant that flag. Just give you a wet willy with our podcast every week. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that, folks. No, everyone just unsubscribe right now. Like, I don't want one of those. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. If, if you want to get punched in the in the face, give someone a wet willy. You know, <laughs> don't follow his we, advice. We, don't try this at home, folks. <laughs> yeah. um, but please, we appreciate everything you can do. PayPal, there's a donate button on verticalviewing.com. Helps us keep the lights on and uh, offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show. No, don't, don't, no, no, no donation is too small. We appreciate no, anything. One cent would do. Dogecoin's coming soon. Um, any final thoughts? No? Once again, just go see this film. Go see. If you're looking for a, like a really riveting experience in the theater. This is it. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't had much like this at all this year. So you you said to me that uh, you hadn't you hadn't been that engaged in the theater in a very long in time. a very long time. And I suggested uh, the Force Awakens. I think maybe Revenant would probably count. Yeah. Maybe so there. at the start, like the end of last year, start of this year is probably the last time. Been like ten months, nine months here. Yeah. Um, this I would put Deepwater Horizon in the same category as potentially. Uh, gravity or mm-hmm. you know some of these movies that are just pure suspense films you know yep. just just straight up 
nail biters. Better watched, <clears throat> better experienced on the large screen. Yeah, there's an IMAX version of this that I wish I had watched. Ooh, wow. Uh, yeah. So next week, like I said, Birth of a Nation. There'll be more VIF films coming at you. We're gonna have so many VIF films. Oh, to talk it's gonna about. be great. You got to see Tower and Operation Avalanche. It's all, it's all good, man. All I guess right. that'll do it. Thanks for listening, kids. And as always, what? Keep it vertical. What do you mean? Oh, cool.